Well, Maranatha to you. Our Lord comes. Amen. And I'm excited about that. I have a question for you this morning. Are you saved? Are you right with God? Well, I want us to look at this morning that wonderful and loving act that purchased your redemption. I want us to look at the cross. If you're not saved this morning, I still want to look at that wonderful and loving act that can purchase your redemption as we look at the cross this morning. By far the greatest story that has ever been told, a story that I never tire of hearing, a story that I never tire of preaching, a story that I never tire of sharing, is what my God and Savior did on Calvary's cross on my behalf. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses, allow that to sink in, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Let that sink in. If I were going to retitle this sermon this morning, it would be entitled, The Most Sin-Laden Person to Ever Have Lived. And of course, it was not his sin, but it was our sin. God's word's very clear that Jesus Christ became sin for us, even though he knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took upon himself my sin, and he gave me his righteousness. What an exchange. And I pray this morning that you have by faith believed and trusted in that free gift, that eternal salvation that he offers to all who believe, to all who place their trust in him. Last Sunday, we took a look at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and not only was this the fulfilling of Scripture, Zechariah 9.9, which that in itself was major, that in itself was wonderful, but he was also presenting himself as the sacrificial Lamb of God. We went back to Exodus 12, and we talked about how on the 10th of Nisan, that they were to choose the lamb, the sacrificial lamb that was to be offered in the Passover. So on the Son, the 10th, that was the day that Christ rode into Jerusalem. That was God himself presenting himself as the sacrificial lamb. And then the 14th of Nisan, as we're going to look at today, was the preparation day. And we can go back to Exodus and we can discover all the things, the activities and, and the process and what they did to prepare the lamb for slaughter at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the sun the 14th. And they called it the preparation day. Well, today we're going to look at 
the preparation day when our Lord and Savior prepared himself to be our sacrificial lamb. This morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. That's where we're going to start. Matthew chapter 26. In summary, chapter 26 starts out dealing with the religious leaders of Israel's plot to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because he was an evil man, not because he was a mean man, not because he was doing any harm, but it's because of his miracles, it was because he was God. And they could not stand that. Verse 1 of chapter 26, And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, and by the way, those sayings was calling out the religious leaders of the nation of Israel calling them hypocrites, calling them whited sepulchers, calling them vipers, telling them that you, uh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me, talking about God. So when he finished all these sayings, verse 2, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people into the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Speaks more about their heart, doesn't it? But they said, not on the feast day, not on Passover, not on the Son of the 15th. They can't do it on that day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So they were going to have to come up with a plan to do it before the Passover. So they're conniving. They're trying to come up with a way that they could trap him, capture him, and kill him. Verse 6 of Matthew 26, it talks about Mary anointing the head of Christ and preparing him for burial. Remember, just a few days before this, she had anointed his feet. And that angered Judas because, why, you're you're wasting that. We could have given it to the poor, and the Scripture is very clear. He wasn't caring about the poor. He was a thief, and he kept the, the billfold. He kept the wallet. He was greedy. And so here it's happening again. Mary, except this time, it's not his feet. It's his head that the Lord, that Mary is anointing. Verse 8 says, but when the disciples saw it, they had indignation. All all the disciples. So it was more than just Judas this time saying, to what purpose is this waste? Can't imagine them saying that, but God's word says they said it. 
Kind of tells you they didn't really understand what was about to take place. Kind of explains why they ran out on him. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And verily I say unto you, whatsoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. The next verse tells us what Judas did at that point. I, I, this being the second time, I don't know, in his mind, in his heart, he said, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going, I just, I can't take this anymore. But verse 14 tells us that one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went into the chief priest, and he said unto them, What will you give me? I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Verse 17, they start talking about the preparation of the Passover that, that they were going to be observing. But in the meantime, they were getting the meal ready that takes place before the literal Passover meal. Verse 20. Now when even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And this is not to, to eat at the Passover meal. This was the meal prior to that. There was nothing here that was, that was taking place that was part of the Passover. This was the bread and the wine. This was sunset. At even is significant because what it's telling us is this is the beginning of the preparation day. This would have been Nisan the 14th. Part of the problem that, that believers have understanding this is because we start our day, you know, from 12 o'clock till 12 o'clock. Or we think of a day starting at, you know, early in the morning and going a 24-hour, you know, from, from midnight to midnight. But in Hebrew, that's not, that's not how it went. Sundown, the next day started at sundown. So in the evening, this was the beginning of Nisan the 14th. This was the beginning of the preparation day. And the other thing to keep in mind is when this takes place, this is the week that has a high Sabbath. What's a high Sabbath? It means it's an additional Sabbath. That means that Anytime you had the Feast of Passover, uh, Pentecost, whenever that failed, that, not failed, F-A-I-L, but whenever it failed, F-E-L-L, right, yeah. Then that, whenever that date fell, then that week contained a high Sabbath. They'd have the weekly Sabbath that starts sundown on Friday and go through sundown on Saturday, but this is different. This is a high Sabbath. 
So your mind should be clicking and going, oh, well, that's good. That means Christ wasn't crucified on Good Friday, and you'd be right. That's why we don't celebrate Good Friday. He was in the tomb on Friday. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon, but it really is interesting. But the Scripture bears all this out. But verse 20, when evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And we know the story of Judah saying, Who is it? Who's going to do it? And he says, The one who sops with me. The one who that dips his, his bread in the wine. Verse 25, Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, You've said so. Then the Lord's Supper is initiated. Verse 30, Peter's denial is predicted. Now remember, this is evening. This is evening. 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock in early evening. And Christ tells them what's about to happen. And Peter says, not, not me. I'm not going to allow that to happen. That'll never happen on my watch. Not me. I'm not, I'll never betray you. And the Lord says, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And when a rooster crows, what is that normally indicating? Morning. Morning. So Peter's going to, it's about 6 o'clock, or maybe a little later, but it's still in the evening on the sun the 14th. He says, you're going to deny me. Verse 36, Jesus takes certain disciples and they go into Gethsemane. And here he's sorrowful unto death. God's Word tells us that he sweat great drops of blood. He was literally dying in the garden. I believe when Christ said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, he was talking about the death that he was experiencing right then to the point that God the Father had to send angels to minister unto him. The condition that he was suffering at that point indicates that he was at the point of death there. He wasn't saying, Father, get me out of this. He was talking about what was taking place in Gethsemane. In Luke twenty two forty three, it talks about how angels had to come and strengthen him. So late, late on the 14th, verse 40, chapter 26, and he comes unto his disciples and he finds them asleep as they're praying. And the reason that they're asleep is because they've been up all day. It's time to go to bed. It's probably already past their bedtime. He's had them there praying, and their spirit was willing. But what does he say? Your flesh is weak. Because this, they started out eating, and they've talked, and certain things have happened. They're in Gethsemane. He's praying. He's going off by himself to pray, and they are waiting and they fall asleep. Verse 40, and he comes unto the disciples, and he finds them asleep. And he says unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy because of the time or the night it was. And he left them and he went away again and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and he says unto them, Sleep on now. Actually, from Luke twenty-two forty-six, we know that, that that should be a question mark there because it is in Luke 22. Sleeping? And take, are you sleeping and taking your rest? That should be a question mark. It is in Luke twenty-two forty-six. The hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. We know from verse 47 down to verse 56, it is Judas betraying the Lord, and he's already told the chief priest and, and those that they're going to send to arrest Christ that the one that I go and embrace and kiss, that's Jesus of Nazareth. Remember Gethsemane, there were no streetlights. There was no way for them to understand and know who they were there, and it was dark. But Judas would recognize him. Judas would know who he was by his actions, by his, his mannerisms. And so they want to make sure they didn't grab the wrong guy and take him off. And so Judas says, well, I have the answer for that. When I embrace him and I kiss him, grab him. And that's what happened. We find out in John, which is one of the greatest stories, I think. Remember when they grabbed the Lord Jesus? When they, he says, who, who, do you, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does he say? I am. And what do they do? They fall over backwards. Twice. He didn't say, I am he. He's not in the Greek. It's, he, just, he declared to be the great I am. I am. Boom. They couldn't stand before that declaration. I think that's incredible. And so they come, and Peter takes his sword, and he strikes off uh, the servant of the high priest's ear. What does the Lord do? He puts it back on. I got news for you folks. Had I been there, and I saw that happen? Okay, you... He is exactly who he says he is. But that didn't, didn't even deter them. And they grabbed him and they arrested him. And they took him before false witnesses, which is so illegal. I mean, thou shalt not bear false witness. What are they doing here? Bearing false witness. They take him to, to the high priest's camp, uh, palace. And, and they're... they're they're breaking the law. First of all, they're having a Sanhedrin meeting in the middle of the night. That was a big no-no. They're bringing false witnesses in. That's a big no-no. But even with these false witnesses, they could not find a charge that would stick. Until Jesus Christ declared to them who he is. Look at verse 
63. Well, let's start with verse 62. Now, 61. And he said, this fellow is the high priest. And this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest arose and said unto him, Answer thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you be Christ, the Son of God. They were trying to trap him. And Jesus said unto him, You've said so. Remember back in John chapter 11, when the high priest had told them all that were gathered there exactly what Christ was going to do? He had already admitted it. He had already, speaking under the Holy Spirit, already declared to the nation of Israel, being the high priest, just exactly what the Lord Jesus was going to do. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now we have heard his blasphemy. So the charge against them was blasphemy, and it would be blasphemy except for one thing. It was true. It was true. He is the Son of God. He is God. It's not blasphemy, just like if it's true, it's not bragging. Well, if it's true, it's not blasphemy. And by the way, crucifixion was not the penalty for blasphemy. What was the penalty for blasphemy? To take him out and stone him. So they're going to break the law there too. You've heard his blasphemy. What think you? And they answered, said, he is guilty of death. And they spit in his face and they buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ. Who is it he that smote thee? Folks, I'm here to tell you, he could have told them not only who it was that smote him, the day he was born, what his mama's name was, his granddaddy's name was. He could have told them everything. He could have told them everything there is to be known about that individual because he was God. Verse 69 following, we have Peter's denial. It's exactly what Christ said was going to happen. Chapter 27, all of this is the preparation day for the slaughter of the Lamb for the Passover. The Son, the 14th. This is early now on Wednesday morning. The Son, the 14th, preparation day. Matthew 27, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. So he went before Pilate. He goes before Herod. He's brought back to Pilate. Pilate examines him. And he answers him, nothing. Talk about silence of the Lamb. 
Talk about a fulfillment of Scripture. He opens not his mouth. He is like the lamb before the shearer dumb. He is slaughtered and he opens not his mouth. All of this is being fulfilled on preparation day as they are preparing the lamb to be the sacrifice that is so desperately needed. Verse 15. Here we go. Now at that feast... That was the week of the Passover. But they couldn't crucify him on the Passover because the people would have been in an uproar. They wouldn't have stood for that regardless. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto them a prisoner of their choosing. And they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, who, by the way, according to Acts 3.14, was a traitor and a murderer and deserved to be crucified. Barabbas' crimes called for crucifixion. So from the very beginning, your Lord, my Lord, my Savior, your Savior, was taking the place of the most wretched of wretched people. Someone who deserved crucifixion. Here was the choice. This traitor, this murderer, or this son of God who has caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dumb to speak, the deaf to hear. Who are you going to choose? Unfortunately, I think the world today would have done the same thing. Who do you want me to release unto you? Verse 18 says, He knew that it was because of envy that they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests, shame on them. And the elders, people who should have known better, persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. More than likely, the same people who had just a few days prior said, Hosanna, and laid down palm branches, were now saying, crucify him, crucify him, we want Barabbas. Destroy Jesus. And the governors answered and said unto them, Whether the twain would you that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate says unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ, the Messiah? And they all said, all said, all said, Let him be crucified. The hatred for God was palatable. Satan was gleeful, thinking, I've shown him who's going to bruise whose head.
And the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult or an uproar was made, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You do, you do to it. You see to it. Kind of tells you what kind of man Pilate was. He should have said, absolutely not. He said, I'm the governor here, and this is illegal, and I'm not going to stand for it. But he was a coward. And the truth of the matter is, Pilate will stand before God. He may have thought he was high and mighty as he had the Savior of mankind there before his judgment seat. But one of these days, those roles are going to be reversed. Think about that. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, and the scourging was saved primarily for traitors and robbers and those who were going to be crucified. He had committed blasphemy according to them, so it should have been stoning But they were going above and beyond what they were supposed to have done. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered to him the whole band of soldiers, 600 men, 600 men to witness the spectacle. They had beaten him. They had scourged him. Now they were mocking him with 600 evil men around the hall watching this unfold. And they stripped him. And they put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and they bowed and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hell, King of the Jews. Could have said, Creator of the universe. They could have said, Almighty God, because that's exactly who they were mocking. Can you imagine mocking the one that said, Let there be light, and there was light? Can you imagine them mocking God himself, the one who had traded his his heavenly position and came to earth in order to pay the debt that these people who were mocking and laughing and spitting and doing all the things that they were doing to him, coming to die for them. They mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him, and they took the reed, and they smote him on the head. I'm convinced that was to drive the thorns deeper into his brow. That was out of cruel intent. When they, verse 31, and after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him, and they led him away to crucify him. Additional cruel, cruel torture. And as they came out, they find a man of Serene, Simon by name, 
and him they compelled to bear his cross. You want to know why? I think it's because physically he wasn't able to carry it any further. Why did they compel Simon to carry his cross? I don't think he was physically able to lift his cross and carry it up Golgotha's hill. The scourging had done its work. All the other cruel treatment had taken its toll. And as they had gotten part way, they had to grab Simon and have him bear his cross. When they would come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, and they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. Gall's a painkiller. It's a stupefier. When he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. He tasted the gall. Didn't want a shortcut. Didn't want to make this easy. I mean, even the Romans in their cruelty still said, yeah, offer him some stu- a stupefier. Yeah, o- offer him this drug that's going to ease the pain because this is beyond human endurance. And when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. It's because he was dying for my sin. And they crucified him. Now this is about 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning. About 9 o'clock. Nisan, the, four, the day's not as important as the date. Nisan the 14th, the, pass, the, the preparation day. So they crucified him at 9 o'clock in the morning. And they cast lots. And that was, scripture was being fulfilled uh, Pilate had this put up over the, cr- the cross. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And that wasn't Pilate trying to be a nice guy. This basically was Pilate saying, you see what happens when you, 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 you try to pick a, a different king? You see what happens to your king? You better get in line, folks. That was the message that he was trying to send. Then then were there two thieves, and we know how they mocked him. And all they that passed by revived, reviled him, wagging their heads. You that destroy the temple and you build it in three days, save yourself. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. He could have. He could have. In another place, he said he could have called down 72,000 angels to deliver him. He could have shown them beyond any shadow of doubt that he was God. He could have called down 12 legions of angels. That would have made an impression, but that would not have been penalty paid for my sin. Does that make sense? He could have proven to that people, those people, just exactly who he was. But that wouldn't have done, that wouldn't have taken care of the task at hand. And that was to die for the sins of the world. Verse 42, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. No, they wouldn't. 
He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And the thieves also were crucified with him. They cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, this is about noon. Nine o'clock, he was crucified. This is noon. And there was darkness all over the land. And that darkness was, was until the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. The reason there's darkness, is, folks, is because the light of the world has absolutely is going out. God the Father is sending a message as the sun refused to shine. When it says there was darkness over all the land, I believe there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood there, when they heard that, they said, this man calls for Elijah. And straight, one, straight away one ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Now we know in, from John 19, 28, one of the reasons they went and took a sponge and gave him something to drink is because he said, I thirst, I thirst, because he had something very important that he wanted to say and say at a specific time. After all, he is the sacrificial lamb, and he wanted to make sure that it could be heard. He wanted to make sure that it was clear. He wanted to make sure that it was precise. He wanted to make sure you understand what's happening here. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And they said, let's see if Elijah comes. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. Willingly gave himself up. What did he cry out? What did he want to make sure that you heard, everybody heard, hears. It is finished. It is finished. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. The graves were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many, proving that the resurrection was true. One of the centurions there that was in charge said, Truly, this was the Son of God. This Roman centurion, he got it. Verse 57, When even was come, this is sunset, The lamb that had been prepared had been slaughtered. As a matter of fact, it, it tells us what time. What time was he slaughtered? Three o'clock. 
He cried with a loud voice, it is finished. We find in another scripture that it was the, typically for the shofar horn to be sounded at three o'clock as an indication for every Jew, Jewish household to do what? Kill their lamb. Kill their Passover lamb. The timing was explicit. The timing proves that he is exactly who he says he is. And after it took place, and we know that they could not leave them on the cross going into the evening because that begins Passover. And so what did Pilate tell them to do? Break his bones, break the bones, not just his, but all of them. Why did they do that? Because they weren't always dead. And it keeps them from crawling off. But when they come to Christ to break his bones, they didn't break his bones. Why? He was dead. Okay, but they want to be safe. They, want to, they don't want to be sorry. So what do they do? They take a spear and they poke it into him just to make sure. But see, that fills, fulfills the scripture that no bones were broken. You don't think God's not in charge of this? Do you don't think God had a plan and a purpose for all that was transpiring on this day. There is no I that's not going to be dotted. There's no T that's not going to be crossed. Or left uncrossed. And when even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also was Jesus' disciple. He asked for the body. He was given the body. Verse 62, the next day, which would be the son, the 15th, the, the Passover, the next day that followed the day of the preparation. See, God gives us a timeline here. So we make sure we get it right. We get it straight. He says, may I have the body? They give him the body. Pilate says, you make the sepulcher sure. You make sure that nobody can steal him. So they make the sepulcher sure. It would be humanly impossible to break into this tomb and steal this body. Because the people in authority, they understand the repercussions of it happening. Chapter 28, verse 1, real quick, and in the end of the Sabbaths, that's plural there, by the way, as it, in the end of the Sabbaths, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that would be a Sunday morning, it doesn't say that's when Christ rose, it just tells us that's when the women go to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. See, Christ was already gone. That rolling the stone back, it wasn't rolled back for Christ to get out. It was rolled back for them to see in. Wow. He's gone. This angel's countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. I bet they did. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here. The greatest news that has ever reached the ears of man. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay past tense. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And verse 8 says, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring the disciples' word. Emphasis on quickly, because they had good news they desired to share. He's alive. He's alive. And He still is. What the cross tells us is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What the empty tomb tells us is that the power of God is beyond our understanding and our knowledge of grasping that here was someone who was dead he is now alive oh that's impossible for with God all things are possible whether it be the virgin birth or whether it be the bodily resurrection and folks we believe both he was delivered for our offenses And he was raised again for our justification. 